Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing. I reside on the Erie campus most often, but we have three campuses at Calvary. Thornton, how's it going today? Boulder, you have the best views. You literally have the best views. Erie, we get a look at the dump. (laughs) A snowy dump. And Thomas, how's it going, bud? It's going great. That was a funny intro. (laughs) I like that intro. (laughs) Boulder does have the best views. It's all right, though. We ain't mad. We do have the best coffee now, though. Do not... Wait, don't all the campuses serve the same coffee? They serve the same brand of coffee. Okay, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Anyways. Hey, Calvary, we're so glad you're listening. We have so many great things happening this spring here at Calvary. Do me a huge solid. Go to calvarybible.com. Click your campus. Click the events page. Mind that thing for all it's worth. See how you're going to get connected here at Calvary this spring because there's so many good things. Goodness. I love being at Calvary. And every week in announcements on the mobile bulletin, I'm just like, man, there's so many great places for people to connect. Maybe that's why I'm in community life. But I think you should get involved. I've said my piece there. We got Easter coming, Thomas. Easter yeah. is coming down. It's so good. It is so good. This this is the week that the Easter calendar begins. This is where we turn our face mm, towards Jerusalem. Easter is the greatest single day in the yearly calendar. Yeah. So let us prepare our hearts for it, right? I think that would be a, a smart decision. <laughs> I, I got to give the update this week. Yeah. And, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to share essentially like all good celebrations. In order to be ready to celebrate, there is preparation involved. There is preparation involved. You know, like you think about like your graduation, a wedding, mm-hmm. a birthday party. It's like, it's my birthday month. You know? Totally. I don't do that. I'm not a weirdo. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Internally, like. It's my birthday year. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, people's, people get ready it for is, the celebration. By the way, it is your birthday year. It you is my birthday year. 40 this year. Yeah. It's going to be so good. I guess. Big 4-0. Anyways. What, what do you think happens at 40? Uh, you get a little more gray hair. Man, I wish I had hair to turn gray. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you shave it so it doesn't turn gray. Uh, yeah, yeah, but anyway, so it, you prepare for these things. Yeah, we prepare. We because, have to prepare. Yeah, if you like, like, you think about the difference of someone, think of like the, the mother of the bride. Yeah. That has spent some time thinking, preparing, planning. And then participating in the event. And it's like every little detail, like, oh, there are the flowers we picked out. There are, like, these things. Oh, just just wait. There's more coming, you know? Right. Like, the event is amazing. When you just kind of show up at a wedding, you're like, oh, no, I forgot. Tomorrow is yeah, yeah. June's wedding. Go to Target and get whatever's on there. Yeah, for let's you. go get the fork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, you're there. You're not paying attention to any of the details. Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of out. Yeah, totally. So you could, you could approach Easter that way. You kind of forget... What's going on? And we often do. And then it's just, it's, here's the thing, the event's going to happen. Right. The question is, to what degree do you get to participate and enjoy the event? Mm. And if, if you take a season of intentional preparation, man, 
Easter, Easter, you get to experience deeper levels totally. of what Easter is. So totally, totally. the church historically, Jay, you're a high church guy. You like <laughs> to think of high church, liturgical calendar things. Well, let's just put it this way. I'm so low church that I need high church <laughs> to direct my heart. <laughs> we were joking. So you know you're low church when you have a Saturday service <laughs> <laughs> on Easter. Yeah, that's true. Which, which we've had before. We've, we've, we've had before. <laughs> so, and probably will happen again someday. Yeah. You know, I, um, yeah, it's beginning of uh, Lent. Actually, I was out and about at lunchtime and saw people had ashes on their forehead. Mm. I thought, gosh, that would be, that would be humbling to walk today with ashes on my forehead. Mm. I thought that would be just really hard for me to do. Yeah. It'd be embarrassing on some level. Yeah. Right? Because people are like, what's this weirdo with ashes on his head? You know, in the 21st century, we're yeah. like, no clue. Like, what type of religion is he? That's weird. <laughs> Kids, don't look. <laughs> don't look. <laughs> You're staring. <laughs> and I thought, that would be really good for me. That would be really good for me today to mm. have some humility. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is Lent. It's Ash Wednesday as we hit record, which is a great time to remember the text in which we preached this last week. Yeah. Because Jesus, Jesus weeps and he weeps over something that which his people, the people of God did not repent. And he knew what was coming because of that. Does that make sense? Yep. It does. Triumphal entry. The triumphal entry, which is a triumph. And here's the thing about your preparation. Yeah. Actually, Jesus made his own preparation for the week. Tell me more. So he prepared. He knew maybe where the donkey was when he sent the disciples. Like mm-hmm. they're like, the funny thing is, we read the text and it says, "Who? Why do you need that donkey? That colt? Let me say colt actually, and um, which means what? Colt, young, young, white, unridden, possibly white. Yeah, yeah, royal. Mm. And uh, I don't think I knew that. And um, why is it called white? Well, it's not typically, but this one probably was because this is what the Caesars rode into Rome during mighty victories. They would ride in on colts that were white as they would tre- come back into Rome victorious. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I know. It's super fun. Um, maybe not. Maybe it's just a colt. Yeah. <laughs> we, know, we don't know. I mean, I bet the Chosen will tell us someday. <laughs> I'm just saying it wasn't a Bronco. <laughs> that killed its maker. <laughs> Man. That Bronco is crazy, right? The demon horse? Yeah, demon horse. At DIA. <laughs> <laughs> We've had t- but Jesus prepares his own. He, he actually prepared. I actually think when the disciples take the colt and the owner goes, why do you need that colt? He says, the Lord needs it and it's release. Jesus has come through Jerusalem at some time and said to the owner, I will require this someday. And probably has actually paid for it, if you think about it. Yeah, I, I think I understand it as like a common practice, actually. Okay. You know, to be able to, it's someone who is esteemed mm-hmm. to borrow someone else's property for yeah. their need. Yeah. He brings it back. They bring it back. Mark tells us they bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jesus makes his own preparations for the Last Supper. So Jesus is preparing long in advance for what's to come. He, this week it's not an accident yeah he doesn't stumble into the holy week does that make sense i Neither think that 
Neither should we. That's my point. That's a good point. We should not stumble our way into Holy Week. You know, the disciples did. <laughs> they did. You know, they didn't know what was going on. Right. And even the parable we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus had to tell in order to reframe expectations that the fullness of the kingdom, as they expected it, was about to arrive. Yeah. Um, the disciples probably stumbled in the first time, but they did not stumble the years afterwards. No. They it, probably, was a, it was a big, big deal for the early church. Yeah, I just think, you know, we talk about it enough here. I don't ever want to assume that people have, have caught it. Like, Jesus just didn't die on accident. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know if I could ever remember a time when I, when I really thought, oh, so sad Jesus died. Right. Like someone t- stole his life or it was cut short. It was the candle in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, but just to have in your mind, like, He's been telling his disciples exactly what's going to happen for a long time now. For a very long time. And it's like this happened according to the foreknowledge and plan of God. That's right. But, you know, as, as Peter later says, like, but you, people, put him to death. And so there's like the foreknowledge and plan of God according to the scriptures that Jesus was fulfilling carried out by us. Right. And so there's human responsibility. But it's just amazing. And I think in the book of John, it's even highlighted more than Luke where... There's time and time again where they try to put him to death. Yes. Like, we're going to go push him off a cliff. And he's like, and he just left. He just walked through him. Yeah, they're going to stone him. And he just, he just leaves. Yeah. Cool. Um, seeking to put him to death. Mm-hmm. And then they say, this is what's amazing in John, is they're going to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. But they tell each other, not during Passover. <laughs> Let there be, lest there be a riot. So this whole time they're like, kill Jesus and they can't. Kill Jesus and they can't. And then they're like, we're going to kill Jesus, but don't do it now. <laughs> and Jesus is like, this is when you're going to do it. And it's just, I mean, the whole thing, it's almost comical yeah. if you think this is an accident. Right. Jesus is in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he's according to, he is the one driving the plan. Mm. Which is just, I don't know, I, I just rest in that. Yeah, he's, he's actually, you know, one commentator says, like, the... Crowd is super excited that Jesus is coming into town, and Jacob and Jesus is just sobbing, right? And it's he points out that Jesus is interested in not winning our argument, but a people, and he can't win the people, and he knows he won't win them. Mm. So he sobs. I think the sobbing also yeah. indicates his affection. You know, like. Just think about like what what breaks your heart. Like a good way to almost enter that text if you were gonna do a standalone, you know, study with a small group would be like, What breaks the heart of God? Yeah. Like we, we see Jesus as the Son of God, mm-hmm. the exact nature of the Father. Um what breaks his heart? Like when does he really weep? Yeah. When people with disbelief. It's disbelief, like they will yeah. not receive repeat, repent the grace that he has for them. Yeah. It's like that's yeah. super yeah, you think like a you know, I always just put it in the parental perspective of like, oh my gosh, your love for your kid, and they're choosing decisions that just lead them wayward that are causing them harm, and you're there to like provide relief and recovery, to revitalize their life, mm-hmm. and it's not sorrowful of like, man, if only we had access to this. It's like it's available right here. Yeah, yeah, and every resource using it. Yeah, super true. It tears your heart out. Yeah, it's interesting that you know, you were preaching in Luke about the weeping, but Jesus actually a few times in Luke chapter 13 and 23, 
sort of talks about the same thing. Does that make sense? You mean like his sorrow? His sorrow, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say, say wept. Yeah. I asked the question, how many times does, does the Bible say that Jesus wept? And our good friend, Jenny Fleetmeyer, has a third. What's the third? I'm not going to steal her thunder because she's going to talk about it at, at women's retreat this week. Well, come, I'm not going to be at women's <laughs> retreat. Tell me what the third is. Next week. No. Whatever. I'm sure our faithful followers are going to be going to the ladies' retreat. Gosh, so we got Jesus wept with Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah. He, wet, he weeps here. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's going to be fun to look at after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but in all of it is at the tomb of Lazarus and here he's weeping. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think it's unbelief. Someone asked me, like, do you really don't think that Jesus stood outside of the tomb of Lazarus and was just sad that his friend had died? Like, don't you really think that he's sorrowful over death? And I said, you know, the only reason I don't read it that way, um, well, there's a lot of reasons I don't read it that way, but one of the reasons is, remember when, when they came to Jesus originally mm-hmm. and they said, your good friend Lazarus, behold, the, the disciple you love mm-hmm. is it's, fallen sick. Yeah. And the disciples got up in a hurry and Jesus said, sit down. This sickness does not end in death. Right. Like from the very beginning, he's not anticipating death. Yeah. And so it just would be just unusual for him then to stay outside the tomb and weep, especially when he knows what he's about to do. Yeah. And the context is they don't believe that he's the resurrection and the life. I, I totally get that. I, I think he weeps because he has such a relationship with Martha and Mary. Like his friendship is so deep that he, He's just overwhelmed by their grief. Does that make sense? Could be. Yeah. Maybe that's and you maybe you're probably you're probably more right than I am. I don't know. Reading that text. But the, we did point out there's two different Greek words for these. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really. And so the, the word used in John is like teary eyed. Mm-hmm. So it is more of a private sorrow. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one in Luke in the triumphal entry, he weeps in this like loud lament just of grief. Deep. Deep yeah. grief. Yeah. How emotional of a day, right? Oh for gosh. him. Like, not just for the crowd and not for those onlookers, but like for Jesus himself to go like riding in on a colt and then be overcome by his sorrow for the city. And then he goes into the temple. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is he he would probably went to bed exhausted that day. You know, I gosh, you'd think the emotional energy that it takes to be him. And it's just striking to me because, you know, all along the disciples and others are like, don't be put to death. Like, no, like they're trying to stop Jesus from doing these things and they don't have a clue what's going on. Jesus is the only one that knows what's going on and he's driving the mission forward. Mm-hmm. And if I were standing outside Jerusalem, knowing what's going to happen to me that week, you know who I'm crying for? <laughs> it's like, me. Yeah, totally. You know, like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this is going down. This is going to be so hard for me. Yeah. And he still has his people in his mind. Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. And, he, you know, let's, let's talk about this. He weeps over Jerusalem because they did not know the time of his visitation. What's, what's so striking about that word visitation? You know, it's a weird word if you really think about it. I know it's... Not Jesus is not speaking in English, but the visitation word is such a, you know, it's a very strange way to put what he's doing. Does that make sense? 
Is there a thread that I'm missing in the Old Testament about visitation? Well, I think there's the you know, the prophetic um, expectation of the anointed one coming. So they're anticipating a day in which the Lord's anointed comes. Right. So they're they're anticipating a day of visitation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who are you know more keen on biblical prophecy that will will point out things in the book of Daniel, anticipating a timeline of visitation. Mm-hmm. Um, people will point back out to you know the promise even to Moses. One like Moses will come. So we're waiting for a better Moses, a visitation. Um, and the suffering service from Isaiah. So I think the day of the visitation was, they, they are anticipating Messiah, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord anointed. Um, At first, actually, Peter picks, picks up that word in First Peter 2, 12, too, as well. He says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of your visitation. Keep your conduct. This is... Let me actually give the context. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of your visitation. So there's actually a second visitation. Is, is that First Peter two twelve? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of interesting too. If you think about it, like this word has a thread that I probably didn't ever pay attention to. Yeah, even just to anticipate the next one. Yeah. Totally, another time that which the Lord will he does visit. in a couple of chapters, yeah, at the coming of the Lord, yeah, be ready. Um, all right, so we talked about here's Jesus who is weeping mm-hmm. over Jerusalem, and there's ways in which he is sorrowful that they are not receiving him, but the line that we really focused on was. You do not know the things that make for peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you had four of them. Well, and for you, like, what, what, what comes to mind when you think of peace? Like, in your own life? Yeah, I think it's like, I, when I think of peace, I think of rest. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. everything is restful. In fact, I was, I told my life group on Sunday night, and I was like, man, I was sitting there in the sermon about 10 minutes in, like, going, Thomas, you've got to define peace for me. I don't know what peace is. I'm really confused. You keep using this word. Give me some definitions. Give me some handholds. And you're like, 18 minutes in, 20 minutes, you're like, here's four things about peace. I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, I was, like, wrestling in my head. I was like, what is peace? What is peace? Because I was just, you know, I was in the sermon with you. I was like, what is peace? What is peace? And you gave us four. Um, I don't have them written down right now. I do know one, though that the you'll receive God's peace when you receive his affections for you. Yeah, so... That was one of the ones. Yeah, we tried to define it. I don't know. I'm so bad at thinking through the sermon at this point. Yeah. You know, so the the word that is written here in Luke is the Greek, erene. So it's like part of the greeting, like grace and peace. You know, and yeah, you know, totally. And it's connected to the biblical principle of shalom. And shalom is more than just a greeting. Mm-hmm. It's peace is the absence of conflict, and the presence of wholeness. So to have real shalom is not only to be in a state of, of restfulness or tranquility, but also that in which the turmoil had torn down is being or has been rebuilt. Mm-hmm. So think of like a war-torn city. It's not at peace until not only the war is over, but the city is rebuilt. That's really good. And like so real peace is the sense of, okay, I'm not at war with my neighbor. I'm not at war with my wife. I'm not at war with my friends, countrymen, whatever. And not only that, the damage that has been done from the previous conflict 
has been restored. And so now I'm tending to my vineyard. That's really good. And it's like, oh, man, I long for that. Yeah, right? totally. I'm, I'm being nourished off the land, and there's no threat, and there's wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so then the question was, well, how do you experience the arena, the, the shalom that Jesus is saying? You don't even know the things that make for peace. So like we were asking, what makes for shalom for that restfulness and wholeness? And yeah, one of them, I think, is, is the affections of God. A gentleman I was talking to this week, um, made an interesting point. It's, you know, it's, I wouldn't make it like the biblical principle of it, but we're talking about the peace that Jesus had. So he says, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Um, and it's good because his peace comes from a different source than the world. Yeah, totally. It's so, an eternal source. Yeah, so I don't need my circumstances mm-hmm. to be all buttoned up to experience God's peace. That's really good. And the, and the point he made, which I thought was so good, right? So the spirit is like the peace of God. Oftentimes you think of like the dove, right? There's the peace. We were talking about when did Jesus receive the peace, the affirmations, the affections of God, and it was at his baptism. Mm-hmm. And so he receives the affections of God that bring him peace for his ministry. So he receives the peace of God before he's accomplished anything. Yeah, before, just because of who he is. Yeah, and when are, how are we trying to get peace? By is accomplish. by accomplishing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, I want to receive the Lord's affections of me, which is mm-hmm. first his salvation. Mm-hmm. So now you are forgiven. Now I can call you beloved child, daughter, son. Then he gives me his spirit. Mm-hmm. So he baptizes me in the spirit. This is my daughter. This is my son. And whom I'm well pleased is that you've come to my son, Jesus Christ, and received forgiveness. And I call you my son. I give you the spirit. Now with the peace of God, go live. Yeah. And so... That's where I think, oh, man, we've, we've been trying to accomplish our way to a place of rest and peace and security when we had it from the beginning. Yeah, totally. So can we then go live as Christians from the affections and affirmations of God? That's one of them. Yeah, totally. Man. It's really good. It's really good. But That has a really good practical, like, for just our listeners, a very, very practical thing is, like, you wake up already receiving the peace for the day. If you're a son or daughter of the living God, there's nothing that you will do today that will give you more peace than what you've already woken up with. Yeah, if you can tap into it. Yeah, if you can tap into it. Because what I'm thinking about, how am I going to pay the bills today? Totally. Or, you know. Yeah, my best friend just got diagnosed with whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the challenge is then how do we establish that peace and then remain in it for the day? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many things that want to kind of rattle us out of it. Um, and I'm not immune to that. Oh yeah, my goodness. Totally. I get rattled and right. I have to remind myself of these things. Right. Right. It's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. So we talked about Jesus's judgment on Jerusalem. You were talking about 66 AD, sort of the beginning of what is considered the end of the temple period. Yeah. I may. Yeah. So I thought it was, I thought, I know it, it encapsulates in 70 AD. It's like fulfilled. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a big historian. You've read much of Josephus. Yeah, you know, I wish we had Zach here because I bet he's read Josephus pretty well, probably. Because <laughs> you know, it's Zach. If I scholar. own the book, does that count? Yeah. Actually, it's a really interesting point. I mean, I haven't refreshed myself in a long time. But Josephus has an amazing account. That's why he actually writes his works of antiquity is to demonstrate how the Jewish people were were 
destroyed mm-hmm. by the Romans. That's basically why he writes. And so it's sort of the historical context around his time and what is going on. And Josephus actually is known for being in front of the temple at one point with in between Rome and the people locked in the temple. And he's telling the people, repent. That's what he writes. Mm-hmm. If that's historically accurate, I don't know. Josephus isn't as reliable as you might think because we don't have a lot of... Actually, this goes into um, some apologetics. Like Josephus, there's only a few texts of Josephus, but there's a lot of New Testament texts. You know what I mean? So um, Josephus talks about, and I think this is very fascinating, of what happens to the people of God during this time where Rome comes in. There's a rebellion. Let's just be very honest. Israel's trying to make their own way Mm -hmm. in the world, be their own Messiah, right? They weren't satisfied in what Jesus did. And so they're trying to create their own nation once again. This is why, you know, the disciples don't understand Jesus because they think he's going to politically create a place in which no one is occupying Jerusalem or the temple again. That's part of the confusion of Mm -hmm. the first Holy Week ever. They're like, I thought this was going to be different. It's probably why, I mean, I think we're going to preach on this, but why one of his disciples betrays him because he's sort of fed up with it. Mm. Um, but that's long story short. Josephus documents how Jerusalem falls. It's really interesting because Rome comes to the city. There's a bunch of battles that end up the Israelites, the people of God, uh, end up in the temple, locking themselves in. And Rome's like, okay, we can wait you out. Good luck. And they try to wait them out. And what happens is actually, from Josephus's words, they become um, very inhumane to each other. There's a curse. There's a real mm-hmm. big curse of this. And I think Jesus knows this is coming. This is why he says what he does in chapter 23, like, you don't want to be pregnant. You don't want to be nursing when this, because this mm-hmm. is, yeah, this is the worst of the worst. Um, in fact, Josephus records that they start swallowing the money from the temple. So if they survive, they through their excrement, they can save the money of the temple. That's sort of crazy, right? Yeah. Itself. They run out of food, so they start cannibalizing themselves, and they start with the youngest first. Josephus records, like the infants. Do you think about just the horror? The horror of this. Of yeah. this, these people trapped in the temple, surrounded by Rome, Roman, the Roman government. In fact, there's so much infighting that Josephus says it's actually not Rome who burns them to the ground, but themselves. Someone knocks over a fire within the temple and it lights the whole thing up and eventually burns the gate mm. down. And it's actually not Rome who did it. It's actually the people of God and the curse. They're so cursed by the judgment of God, which is very strange, but Josephus documents this as well, um, that they actually are, they they destroy themselves, Mm. which is even worse than judgment. Like when, when God hands you over to your own desires, like Romans one, right? That's the, that's the worst type of judgment. I think that is the judgment, right? Yeah. It's his mercy when he, he does it interrupts us. Yeah, right? totally. We think, That's oh right. man, I got caught. Right. Here's God's judgment. And it's like, I think he actually gave you mercy 
to expose what's been going on. There's going to be some consequences for it. But the real judgment is when he's like, I will leave you alone. Yeah. And I'm going to let evil come in. I'm going to let your own evil devour. Which I think, I mean, I don't want to too much take his, his words and like make it a typology of some sort. But I think in some ways, Jesus is saying, hey, I, I'm the peace. You don't even know what makes for peace. What makes for peace is me. I'm here. You reject me. But everybody wants peace. Right. And so if you reject Jesus and his offer for peace, you're still going to go try to find a way to make peace. We all do. Mm-hmm. We all do. Like, we, we might be drinking at night. Like, I, just, I just need a little bit of drink to take off the edge, right? We say right. take off the edge. Why? Because I want to experience what I would say is peace. Like, I want a little bit of a break. I want mm-hmm. some tranquility in my life. Right. Um, you might just zone out to Netflix for hours. Yeah, Scroll on your phone. Scroll on your phone. Because like your kids are crazy and you want to go to bed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if you reject Jesus as your peace, you're going to try to go find something to be peace. And for, for the Jews here, they're saying, well, we'll make it by the, by the sword. By the sword, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll take up arms. We're going to get our guns and ammo and our, our swords. And because we're going to take the aggression here, we will form peace for ourselves. Yeah. And I think the... The larger global context is this. If, if you reject Jesus, which is the means to peace, like you don't even right. know what makes for peace. He is the means for peace. You will then try to go make a peace for yourself, but in the end, will end up destroying you. Totally. It will not bring you the peace you want. Yeah. So it, the temple stops burning. Rome then goes in and basically disembowels the remaining who are still alive to find the gold, right? They know mm-hmm. what they're doing. And they unhinge every stone from the temple. I think that's just nuts. They like the 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 devastation is so great that there's only a few places the welling walls one of them. We know that. There's other you can like it's to the ground. The, it is the to stone the ground. It's to the ground. Just as day. Jesus said. This is just as Jesus said. Which he also says it will be to the ground, but I will raise it up in three days. And mm-hmm. no one knows what that means. And what he means is he is now the temple of yeah. God. We are now, a, from some connection spiritually from the spirit itself, are the, the people of God Yeah, in the temple, which he is the cornerstone. You know, I think those are like... These are like worthy meditations. Like yeah, they're totally. so they're so high and lofty. Like you're like, oh, we're the temple of God, and then you like move on with your day. Yeah, like, was I getting a chicken burrito or a steak burrito at Chipotle? <laughs> you know, and I think that's where that's where the preparation of Easter. Yeah, is hey, we got forty days to think about some stuff here. Yeah, you should read Josephus. You can find them online. Yeah, you could do that. You could sit and just read these texts from Matthew and Luke. Yeah, totally. You can read John, the narrative of John, and just say, well, what does that mean for me? If the Lord enters the temple and says, my house is a house of prayer, and I'm the temple, and he's interested in the purity of the temple, what, what does that mean for me in my life? The, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Yeah. What does it mean that Jesus is a cornerstone? Of my, yeah. Of, it, it runs true. Like, he, without his placement yeah. in my life, nothing will be tr- level or true in the carpenter's sense. So I think those are, you know, you take these texts and you're like, wow, that's interesting. Then, then think on them, mm-hmm. totally for some time. You know, yeah, yep, it's so true, Thomas. I I think that's a really great encouragement 
Because one of the ways in which we grow in our faith is by long soaks of scripture working in our heart. Right? Yeah. That's how we grow. That's how we deepen. That's how Jesus deepens our faith. Actually, let me say it that way. Super crazy. I, I One thing I really appreciated from the conference we were at recently, which was like this high and lofty theology, oh, big, it's huge one, words. It was so wonderful, though. We were soaring. No idea how to actually make this applicable to people and just basking in glory. Yeah. Was one of the teachers had said, you know, John 17 says, this is eternal life, that you would know me, know the Father, and the one whom he sent. Like, it is actually... It's actually an eternal good to just contemplate these things, mm. to just know the Father and the Son. So, like, you just think it's not a waste of time for you to go find a nice, comfy couch, sit down, and with silence and the radio off and the TV off and your phone put away, to think on these things. Yeah, that's a worthy thing. Just think about God. Oh man, thanks for the encouragement, Thomas. So good to talk. We love you, Calvary. We're just so grateful for your support to us, your love towards us, your prayers towards us. As we pray for you, as we love you, we hope that this Easter season would be a meaningful Easter, a deepening of your faith, a deepening of our faith, a deepening of our faith together as we continue to build Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to loving God and loving others. Have a great week. Look forward to talking to you later.